Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Yeah, gathering your thoughts there, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about um, inflation. I guess the context I want to start with is the idea that uh, we spent the first half of the year worrying about two things. One is the cloud about the potential for the U.S. to slide into recession. And I think for at least the near term, that's been taken out. And the second one is we came into the year with significant uh, upside surprises on core inflation, and there was concern whether you'd be able to get it down. And I think that's whatever the view you have on where inflation is going to be uh, a year from now, I think you've at least taken out the tail that there's going to be very high inflation. We may we may be still debating on where we're going to settle, but I don't think anybody should look at the numbers and say, hey, there's any risk that inflation is going to be four or five percent here. And that's a pretty, you know, significant event as well in a world in which the the run rates on core inflation over the last three months uh, globally have come down to three percent. The U.S. has come down uh, to about the same thing. Um, and of course, not only is that taking out the tail on the upside, it starts to build confidence um, that maybe we can get the tail to the other side, which I'll I'll refer to here as the continued willingness of markets to price in central bank easing, even as we take out recession risk. So now there's an increasing part of that pricing uh, as we turn into 24, uh, which is related to the fact that maybe inflation comes down enough uh, to get central banks to be easing. And certainly you got some reinforcement of that um, with uh, uh, some Fed comments this week, particularly uh, New York Fed President Williams, who kind of talked about the idea that the Fed may need to raise uh, to lower policy rates next year in the face of falling inflation. So that's the backdrop. I guess there's one part of it is how we interpret the inflation news uh, in the near term. The other part of it is how we interpret the inflation news in terms of the more medium term where it's heading. And then there's, of course, the central bank start. So why don't we take the first part of it? Like we've been watching inflation in the last couple of months, surprise to the downside. Uh, give me your take on how we should read those numbers. Well, I mean, let me first say, and I'll, I'll, I'll address that, but let me first say, I think when we came into, when we came into the year, I, I guess I would have said we were in a world where inflation wasn't surprising to the upside. It was, it was actually a little bit of the opposite. We were seeing inflation start to come off, and that's when you and I were having those debates about maybe you get some early Goldilocks that, you, you know, that transitory forces fade and and you end up with this kind of very easy easy backdrop of fading inflation maybe you could get an early early uh start to, to to rate cuts now that got swept away fairly quickly with the svb given the the stress around the us and inflation then giving that big stretch of uh upside surprises I feel like the reason I, I I clarify that point is because I feel like, and you and I were discussing this, that we're back there again. We're right back where we were at the start of the year, debating this point about whether we're going to be in that boiling the frog mode or that Goldilocks mode. And I think what we said back then is just as true now, which is it's a period of observational equivalence. We have to wait and see how it plays out. Definitely inflation is is coming down. And now I'm getting to answering your question. I think you know, you had, uh, uh, you know, another downside surprise on the on the U.S. CPI numbers. I mean, pretty, pretty soft. Right. I think it was a little bit below 0.16 on the on the core. Uh, no, it was 0.160 for what it's worth. 
Oh, was it? Maybe okay. I, I haven't gone to the fourth decimal. Maybe it was okay. lower. I thought it was 0. Yeah. 0.157, but okay. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I mean, 0. 0.16 is is pretty darn uh, pretty darn soft, right? I mean, you're talking uh, the the three month run rate it. is about yeah, 2%, 2%. is running about three percent now. Um, oh, the three month run rate uh, for the is three one on the U.S. core. Three yeah. one, yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I you've got that in in train. I think you've got a kind of a global disinflationary train coming from the goods sector, which we've been flagging, and those numbers keep showing up. This was a week where we got a lot of CPI. So you're getting back on the team transitory. Uh, well, I was going to train, I, Joe. I, I'm definitely where you and I are going to start debating it. I'm going to take that side of it again, and you're going to take the boiling the frog side of it. And I think that's the point, right? Here we are again from where we were in the first week of January, and it's an observational equivalent point. It feels a little team transitory-ish, but I admit that it's still very early. And I think I would point out that the, the, the what is it, the, um, you know, the PCE version of uh, you know, the super core, whatever you want to call it, of the services, um, uh, you know, X shelter. This is point, this is running a bit higher. And I think with the PPI numbers today, I think that actually moves up. Now, we said that last month and that didn't happen. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I, you don't want to get too carried away with the CPI numbers. Uh, well, let's, I, I mean, let's break it down. I, mean, I think it's important to think about there's a, there are a couple of issues here. One, I think when you look at the, not just the U.S. and the, but look at the global inflation numbers. I think the the core goods story is going to keep rolling here for a while. I mean, obviously you've had a little funkiness on used car prices in the U.S., which is going to help you. But the more important point is, um, yeah, bottleneck pressures are coming off. You're going to get a disinflationary impulse from China. Uh, yeah, and you've had a you've had a year or so of weakness in manufacturing. There's every reason to think this stuff is going to come off. And it's been running globally a little less than 2% on a three-month basis. The, the six months before that, it was running over 4%. So it's halved its inflation rate. I think there's a good chance we get down somewhere close to where we were before the pandemic over the next few months, which is pretty much uh, zero. That's a big move. It's only started. Uh, I would not fade it at all. It's, it's going to happen. Um, I think the thing about that part of the story is that that story doesn't tell you a lot about where the trajectory is going to be over the next two years. Uh, goods pricing is coming down because you have manufacturing weakness. Uh, that weakness is probably going to fade. The, uh, the dynamics of fading the uh, supply chains doesn't tell you where core inflation is going to settle. So I wouldn't put a lot of weight on that as a more medium-term inflation signal, other than to pick out that, that high side run that we no longer have, I think, uh, going forward. Um, but then we've got the services, service price inflation, as you said, uh, has come down in the CPI. Um, and I think the point about the CPI versus PCE story and the point more generally is um, that it's not at all clear that what's going on there is going to get you all the way back to where you need to be. Uh, in the U.S., you've got this funkiness in healthcare in the CPI. You've got this transportation cost drop, uh, which are not going to show up in the PCE. Uh, as you say, if we're right, and, and, and core PCE did come in lower than we expected in June, but if we're right, we're going to be running on a three-month basis below two on the core CPI and the super core, and we're going to be running somewhere close to a four on the PCE. And I think the important point, as you're saying, is it's going to take a while before we uh, shake this stuff out. I do think, though, when we cross-reference the service inflation story with the labor market tightness, uh, with the inflation expectation stuff, um, the other stuff hasn't come back to where we were 
if we're not building in service sector demand weakness, I just wouldn't bet on that stuff settling down close to where we were before the uh, crisis. So I'm still going to kind of play the long game here. Um, I don't think we should have ran and we didn't really run with the very high side numbers at the beginning of the year. I'm not going to run with the lower numbers here unless I see more fundamental uh, shifts that get me confidence. And there's some things that could happen here. We talked about supply side performance. There's definitely things here. And obviously growth could turn out weaker. But even that, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to belabor this. And we're just talking U.S. right now that this PCE versus CPI point. But this is pretty crucial, right? Because I would agree with you that you don't want to run away with these low side prints that we're seeing but it's largely because of the core, the super core PCE numbers, right? I mean, that's no, it's not. It's not. It's not large, largely because of that. I mean, it's it's partly because of that, but it's also partly because when I cross reference what's happening in the fundamentals for inflation outside of the price setting point, I don't feel like we're coming back to normal yet. So I don't think I should expect the pricing numbers. Well, right. To come in back. terms of the drivers, that's that, that that's the fundamental point of it. But I'm talking about in terms of tracking inflation. Yeah, You're but not even going to be able to see that. The only place you could really point to is super core PCE. No, right? everything's going to feel very disinflationary. Everything's going to feel like, wow, this is Goldilocks world. Well, you've got shelter costs, which you may have anticipation that it's going to come down a lot, but it's coming down modestly. We're still running 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 on yeah. shelter costs, and it's not, it's not, it's not settled yet. Off because they know the 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 front yeah, they, end they contract prices are coming off. But it hasn't delivered yet on that, and we'll see where we we get end up. But I think, I mean, and then on top of it, Bruce, the argument that you you used to be able to hold on to was this idea of salience and looking at inflation expectations running high. And I think you're seeing some of that come off now. No. Well, it's it's again, it's like with everything else. It's like the same thing with wages. It's the same thing with service price inflation. Yeah, the short-term expectations have come off, but they haven't come back to where they were before the crisis. They're still elevated. Uh, they're still elevated in the consumer surveys. They're still elevated in the um, in the dynamics well, Michigan, on uh, well, Michigan surveys. Would that is a three? Is a three on the one year? One year at three three, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not it's not it's not it's not uh, super high, but it's not back to where we were before the. Um, the pandemic. And I think that's the broad message from the inflation expectations readings uh, as you look across them. Uh, so, um, you know, I don't think there's a, a a conclusion here. I think anybody who thinks that they can accurately gauge where the core inflation is going to settle in mid twos or mid threes here within a, a 100 basis point range is kind of crazy. And I'm not trying to push uh, a hard and, 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 and super confident view here. But my gut feeling looking at everything is still that we're going to have a volatile short-term movement. Every every three or even six-month run rate on core inflation is not the best guide to what the next three and six-month uh, run rate is going to deliver. And we've even seen that in the last last year. Um, and it's going to take time. And I think probably the more important point from my perspective on this is as we watch this, I think the Fed is going to take the same approach I am, which is going to feel some comfort with the falling inflation, but it's not going to extrapolate it. And that's what we get into the to the interesting questions on uh, the Fed and, and central bank reaction functions more generally. Having said they're not going to extrapolate, it's still enough with inflation moving lower here um, to say, hey, let's take a pause, especially when you have policy rates at what you believe is a, a particularly restrictive stance. Yeah, they're not going to extrapolate. I, I, I think they're not going to talk as, as hawkishly until you start to get some more evidence along the lines of what you're seeing that the dust is settling and we're 
inflation is just running higher. This, this sweet spot we're in, which used to just be kind of a cyclical sweet spot we were talking about a few weeks ago, and growth is going to kind of start to, to firm up and we get the good sector, which is starting to turn, by the way. We didn't mention that in this call, but you're seeing some evidence that that is taking place. Next week, we get a pretty strong USIP report, uh, as well as what we're thinking will be a strong China uh, IP number. So, you know, so there's a little bit of that, but now you've got inflation as well coming off. And this is how you set it up, right? It seems like the downside growth risks are coming off. The upside inflation risks are coming off. The dust might settle in a world that you're feeling concerned about inflation, but that's going to take a little bit of time. And if central banks on top of all of that are starting to talk like, hey, okay, we're feeling a little bit better. We're not taking our foot off the brake just yet, but nonetheless, we're feeling better. All of that feels pretty darn good from a, from a market standpoint, I would think. I think for sure. Um, and that's actually what you're seeing in the market. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like we're forecasting something yep. there. Uh, but, that's, but that's also part of the point. I think one of the things that surprised me this week is the way that you saw someone like Williams talk about uh, Fed policy here, where he was talking about the idea that if inflation comes off, um, that there's a, a rise in real rates that you could then respond to as a central bank at ease. And I, I think wonky way of looking. <laughs> looking I think it's a pretty wrong, wrong-headed way to look at it, <laughs> yeah, quite <exactly>. frankly. <laughs> um, I mean, I think there's every reason to say that if the Fed gets inflation on a path to a level it's more comfortable with and thinks it can be sustained, then they ease, right? That's for sure. We could both agree if the Fed thought inflation was coming back down to two and a half percent, it doesn't need to wait till it gets to two to bring policy rates off of that five and a half percent level. However, if the Fed is mechanically saying, okay, if inflation's coming down, real rates are going up and we need to ease, uh, you need to cross-reference that. They're not going to look at inflation and, and equate that with inflation expectations. They're not going to look at inflation uh, and look at that in relation to nominal rates and say, hey, that's what financial conditions are doing. And I think, as, as I was saying before, the inflation expectation numbers um, have come down. They're not really moving in a way that's suggesting that you're um, getting back to normal. And well, perhaps I mean, more I mean, I, I, you're right. Everything you said about Williams, I think he's kind of, I don't know. Well, let me finish the point. Talking. Importantly, okay. financial conditions matter. If financial conditions are easing with an unchanged policy stance, even if inflation is coming down, you're not going to equate that to say, hey, my policy stance is yeah. becoming more restrictive and I have to yeah. respond to it. So I think that that part of the story, you know, yeah, the Fed is going to respond to its perceptions of whether we're getting inflation into their comfort zone. As we said in the earlier part of this conversation, it's going to take a while before that will happen. And I may feel it's less likely to happen than you do, but it's still going to take a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think this this idea of looking at one year, one year as your as your inflation expectation is less... I, I, I don't put as much. Well, why am I saying you're looking at that? I'm looking at five or six or seven measures. Well, I mean, I think the five year has been starting to move up and it's come back down now. If I look at the Michigan five to 10 year, that thing is kind of around where it's been. I, I don't see any dislodging of inflation expectations. But that's not what I'm saying, Joe. I'm saying they're not back to where they were in the they 2000. Are. They're not. I, mean, I can show you the charts. They're not. The, the, the Michigan five to 10? Michigan 5 to 10. What do you mean Michigan? I don't know. I haven't looked at the, Michigan 5. Long run. If, if you take the broad sweep of these things, they're elevated relative to where they were between 2015 and 2019. Oh, but that's that's not fair to use that, Bruce. That's a period where they thought inflation expectations were too low. 
I, I, I were... hope we're not. I hope we don't get back to that period. Right. We should get back to where we were before the GFC. Well, tell, tell, oh, if you're using before the GFC as a guide, then, you know, you're. Well, that's when we felt like everything was perfect. The maestro era, the everyone, <laughs> nothing to worry about here. Right. I mean, that's that's when we felt like things were running pretty well. Um, I'm not sure that that's where the Fed wants to get inflation expectations back to because I they, 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 they're, they're laying the seeds for the GFC. I mean, their view has been that it's well anchored and it's and they're comfortable with where it where it is. If if you want to argue that you need to raise it, then you're in a different different mode in terms of how they're how they're looking at these things. So we can we can continue to debate this, but I think we'll have to uh, leave that here. <laughs> what? I'm guessing we will. You're guessing. You're forecasting. We will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe just to kind of end, we you mentioned we got decent IP reports for the U.S. and China next week. We've got a pretty weak IP report for Euro area if you take out the Ireland effect, which is going to distort the headline reading. And we have uh, a decent, I'd say, pretty good retail sales report uh, with a six tenths uh, headline and a five tenths on uh, uh, control forecasted for uh, next week. So. We should note that the China retail sales forecast is pretty weak. I don't, I don't know how much. I'm surprised they're forecasting such a weak number given how weak retail sales has been. But if you get that, boy, that demand story in China is going to be a, a real sore spot in everything we've talked about. Well, it's just it's not only that, but you have today, the, today's credit number and you have the export number. China is just looking um, you know, worrisome here in terms of momentum, and we're not yet seeing the decisive swing on policy that might be needed to, to deliver the kind of growth that we are forecasting for the next few quarters. So that would be the segue into yesterday's uh, podcast uh, on, on spillovers, but we will uh, uh, leave that for the time being. Um, and thanks, everybody. Hope to continue the conversation next week on JP Morgan TV.